Thanks, Nari. So our, our plan for tonight is we're starting in the Old Testament, sort of looking ahead to Jesus, come now long expected Jesus, and readings from the Old Testament. And we're going to move to the birth of Jesus and looking back and celebrating it from the other side. But our, our sermon series this Christmas has been from the book of Isaiah, which actually falls at the earlier part of our service tonight. So we're going to have a mini sermon now, and it's going to be from the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, which you should have on your program. It says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now, Judah, my two-and-a-half-year-old son, was recently given a book by his grandmother, and it is the L book. I don't know why she chose the letter L. There's no one in our family who has the letter L anywhere in their name, but that's the book that she sent to him, and he loves it. He loves this L book. And the story is of this little boy named Little L who goes around collecting items whose names start with the letter L and putting them into his sound box. So he finds things like a a leopard and a lobster and logs and lizards and more and he piles them all into this sound box. But then the lobster pinches the leopard and it causes all sorts of mayhem in the box and he realizes he needs to split these guys up. So he finds a locomotive, and in each of the cars of the locomotive, he puts two of the items from his sound box. And in one of the cars, he puts a lion with some lambs. Now, does anyone else see a problem with his car allocation strategy? (laughs) You start the trip with a lion and some lambs. You, You finish the trip, there aren't gonna be any lambs left in that car, right? It's just... Yes, they all got eaten. No lambs are going to survive that trip. And we laugh at that idea of lions and lambs riding in a combined space together because we all know on this deep level that that's not how the world works. But isn't there a part of you that wishes we could live in a world like that? That, that wishes that we could send our kids to play outside and have absolutely no fear of them being harmed by nature or by other people? That, that wishes that the things that are currently the most dangerous threats to us were actually transformed into mild and friendly companions? Like, wouldn't that be wonderful to live in that world? And I think it's hard for us to even wrap our minds around the idea that that could be possible. But the point of this passage is that not only is that possible, it's actually the way the world is meant to be. 
this what feels like a crazy dream is how the world is meant to be. And that's the fact that it's not like it now is the reason that we have Christmas. Christmas is about God stepping into our world so he could restore it to the way that it's supposed to be. So he could restore us as individuals, but also so he could restore creation as a whole to the way that it's supposed to be. I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but the second half of this passage is just filled with circumstances that should lead to death. Right? A wolf and a lamb hanging out together equals a yummy meal for the wolf. And it's the same for a, a leopard and a young goat or a calf and a lion. Even the little baby on a cobra's hole. Did you know that cobras generally will not attack you unless they feel trapped and provoked by you? But guess what? If you're playing right on top of their hole, they're going to feel trapped and provoked by you and they're going to come after you and they're going to bite you and it's deadly. All of these circumstances should lead to death But God says in a place where all these things should lead to death, one day there's going to be peace. And so I want to take a couple minutes to look at two questions connected to this peace. First, who will accomplish it? And second, what's the reason for the peace? So first, who will accomplish this peace? We see the answer in verse 1 of the passage. It will be a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Jesse was in the Bible the father of King David. And God had promised David these amazing promises about how his royal line would last forever. That he would have someone on the throne forever and ever. But the problem, as this is written, is that David's line is about to be cut off. If you were in church on Sunday, we talked about evil King Ahaz and how he had rebelled against God and refused to trust God. He was on the throne and he was bringing God's judgment on the nation. And the royal line is about to be cut off. And when that happens, David's family tree is going to feel more like a stump. And it's going to look defeated. It's going to look conquered. It's going to look like no life can come out of it anymore. But God promises one day a shoot will come from this stump. If you think about that image, a shoot from a stump, it's not a very powerful image. It looks weak. It looks insignificant. But the passage tells us there's power in this shoot because it's the power of God himself the power of the Spirit of God working in this shoot from the stump of Jesse. And when we get to Christmas, what do we find? We see Jesus, the heir of David's throne, he's born in weakness. He's born as a baby surrounded by animals. It doesn't seem very significant. He's not surrounded by a royal bodyguard. He's not surrounded by, by anyone majestic. He's surrounded by animals and shepherds. But God says that he will keep his word through this baby. He will use this seemingly weak and insignificant baby to set everything right in the world that has gone wrong. And how will he do this? Well, that brings us to our second question. What's the reason for this peace? And we see that in verse 9. The earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We see that proper knowledge of the Lord throughout the earth is going to bring us peace which actually has some really big implications for our lives today. It means if we aren't living this way, in a way that brings to peace, in a way that doesn't harm others, our knowledge of God is still incomplete. Every time we lash out in anger against others, it shows that actually we don't know God completely, fully, and properly. Every time we spread gossip and slander about others, it shows that we don't really know God fully and properly. But Jesus came so that every part of creation, including every part of ourselves, can know God fully and can know God properly. 
we have this desire, each of us, to rule our own lives. We don't want to submit to God. We don't want him to tell us what to do, and it cuts us off from him. It blinds us from seeing how the world is supposed to work properly. It blinds us from being able to see how we're supposed to live properly in the world. But Jesus, through his life, his death, and his resurrection, has given us access to a new relationship with God, which means we can know him truly. Right now, we can truly know God. We, we don't know him fully. None of us does. So we all still live in ways that harm others and hurt others and harm ourselves and hurt ourselves. But the promise of this passage, the promise of the entire Bible, the promise of Christmas is that because of Christmas, because a shoot from the stump of Jesse came to live in our earth, one day we will be able to know God fully. One day we'll be able to live as the people we were meant to be. And on that day, not only us, we ourselves, but all of creation is going to be the way that it was meant to be. Because of Christmas, the universe will be set right. And that's what we're celebrating here tonight. So let's pray and then let's sing another song together to celebrate God's goodness to us. Father, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for your promise that that the world's not only going to be better than it is now, but it's going to be so good that we can't even imagine how good it will be. And that you set that plan in motion by being born as a baby into our world, by seemingly being weak and insignificant so that you could accomplish something so amazing and majestic and powerful. God, we love you. We praise you for who you are. We praise you for Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.